Hello, I'm Anne Wynn, Senior Associate Conference Producer with Cambridge Health Tech Institute. Today we have a podcast interview for the Applying Expression Platforms Conference, part of 2016's Pep Talk, the Protein Science Week, running this January 18th through the 22nd in San Diego, California. We're chatting with Dr. Ian Hunt, head of the Protein Science Group at NIBR, or Novartis Institutes for Biomedical Research, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Hi, Ian. Nice to have you joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much. Can you describe your path toward providing protein science as support for Novartis? What got you interested in the field, and what's it like working in it now? Novartis has changed dramatically over the last 10 or 15 years. Initially, I worked in a Novartis Research Institute in the UK for five years in a respiratory group, and I was responsible for making proteins for screening and for biologics purposes. And then in 2005, Novartis completely reorganized how they did research. And so for the last 10 years, I've been over in Cambridge in the headquarters. And in that 10 years, it's changed dramatically in terms of the types of targets and how we execute on on, on, on drug discovery projects. The, the types of targets is different, and so therefore the types of proteins we're having to make now is changed dramatically. And so as a consequence of that, there's been a real need to come up with new technologies and new, new methods of making some of these proteins. So when you ask, has it changed? Yes, it, it's changed dramatically, and the types of targets are very different, and they're actually a lot harder to make. A lot of the low-hanging fruits has been done, and we're not interested in, and it's all about protein complexes, membrane proteins, and proteins which are a lot more biologically relevant as well, and it's become very hard, and, and that's what's really been driving a lot of the technology development internally by our group here in Cambridge, but by other groups. And you can see this also mirrored in a lot of other pharma and biotech companies in terms of developing high throughput protein technologies and different strategies to make some of these difficult proteins. Your group at Novartis develops new and enabling technologies in protein science, especially in high throughput and multi-parallel protein expression strategies. What particular problems are you trying to solve and what factors do you have to consider in your development process? I kind of touched on this in the previous question. I think the targets are a lot more complex now. And so when we first started this group 10 years ago, we were very much focused on a lot of kinases and to support structural biology, X-ray crystallography. And we set up a lot of very small-scale high-throughput profiling to try and identify the kind of best, most stable construct. And this is really taking some of the ideas from some of the structural genomic initiatives, which had been funded by the NIH at that time. So very small-scale, very high-throughput strategies to critique a number of different constructs for a particular protein. So we spend a lot of time developing these tools and these strategies. And ironically, I think we found that we weren't using them. It's partly because we actually got very, very good at knowing how to make these proteins. So rather than needing 96 or 200 constructs, we often could be successful in generating the lead construct in about 12, 24 different truncations. That doesn't need very high throughput. You can do that on a bench without any automation. But we did develop a number of different technologies, and a lot of other groups have developed developed similar technologies to enable to expedite that process. That approach typically is very successful in about 70, 80% of most of the targets that the remaining 20%, they're the really intrinsically very, very difficult targets, and you do need very high-throughput technologies to really crack those difficult nuts. And so we developed, in collaboration with some of our colleagues, GNF in San Diego, this kind of high-throughput, very heavily automated system when we could profile many, many constructs very quickly. And this is being used kind of once or twice by ourselves, but also by other colleagues within the Novartis organization. So you don't need it kind of 
every week, but it's great to have access to it within an organization the size of Novartis when on those two or three projects you're working on in any year which you're struggling with, you gain access to that technology and really dry use it quite effectively. So in addition to high throughput technologies to enable us to critique constructs and truncations, in the last two or three years, there's been a kind of a dramatic explosion in technologies to solve X-ray crystallography of uh, GPCRs. So a recent and exciting development is the work really pioneered by Brian Colbinker at Stanford Medical School and also uh, Ray Stevens at the Scripps Institute, Daniel La Hoya. So previously, generating in crystal structures of G-coupled protein receptors has been incredibly difficult and, and partly driven by the fact that these are transmembrane-spanning domains and inherently very unstable once you've solubilized them out of the cellular environment. And work by Brian and Ray and others associated with our labs has been really groundbreaking. So now, using some of their protocols, we can now express purify and stabilize GPCRs and apply those to biophysics and biological therapeutic applications and in addition x-ray crystallography and it's been a, an amazing sea change from I was very active in this field 15-20 years ago when I was postdoc and, and it was a pipe dream that people would ever get uh, crystal structures of these, of these incredibly important proteins and now we can so this is a really if you look in nature or science it's GPCR crystal structures coming out left right and center and one of the challenges we have in Novartis is trying to take some of those technologies and seeing if you can apply them into drug discovery context. A lot of this work, you can generate GPCR, crystal structures, but it takes a long time. It takes six months, nine months, a year. And our challenge is, can you take some of those technologies and get crystal structures and make proteins in a timeline which is commensurate with lead discovery of small molecule and biological lead discovery timelines. So this is a real exciting area, exciting field in protein sciences. And a lot of those high throughput, multi-parallel and technologies are discussed earlier they are clearly applicable to this work, but then you're also taking on board some of the work from Ray and Brian and blending that together. It's a really exciting time. It's not just in small molecule, but as we have inferred in biologics too, if you can stabilize some of these GPCRs in a particular confirmation, in a biologically relevant confirmation, you can then use those as tools um, in a far more exquisite way than perhaps we've ever done before. The GPCR targets, they're very well-known drug targets, but one thing we've never been able to do is generate recombinant stabilized forms and locked into particular transitional states. And so now we're beginning to learn how to do that. That really opens up new avenues in which we can really go after allosteric binding pockets or trying to dial in selectivity between different and closely related GPCRs. That's something which has always been a big issue is selectivity. And now with the structures and now with these protein science tools, we can really start looking at being able to do that. And so GPCRs and membrane proteins, particularly in protein sciences, is a really exciting field. Another exciting field, and we're certainly seeing this in Novartis, but other companies are too, is generating a very complex protein complexes and how you can make protein complexes in in vitro setting and use those in drug discovery. Concept with some really lovely work in co-expressing and, and generating large protein complexes is some incredible work being done by a number of different labs in cryo-AM and looking and now being able to see a really great resolution some of these protein complexes. 
So if somebody asked me what are the two exciting areas in terms of protein sciences, I'd say membrane proteins and protein complexes. And now we're developing tools in both of these spaces to really, really attack previously intractable questions. That's been very, very exciting. You'll discuss key strategies developed to meet challenges in protein science and drug discovery during your keynote presentation on January 21st. What's the main theme you'd like your audience to absorb? The key theme is every protein is different. So going back to an earlier comment I made about some of the structured genomic consortiums, they really went after whole protein families and then cherry-picked the constructs of proteins which seem to express well and really went after those proteins to get structural information on them. Now in pharma and biotech, you're not gifted with that opportunity. You have to work on specific targets and the disease-relevant protein targets. And so you can't select which ones to work on. You have to work on protein X or protein Y. And that's when you can leverage all the high-throughput technologies and some of the newer technology development which have been done in protein complexes and membrane proteins. But each protein is different. And so you can use all these tools, you can leverage all of these ideas, but every protein behaves differently. For example, big, obviously a big topic a few years ago was around gene optimization and optimizing genes for elevated protein expression. A number of companies were selling this as a potential benefit. Well, in our experience, and we've done this a lot, in terms of gene optimizing constructs, it doesn't always work. In some cases, it works you know, it really elevates and enhances protein expression. In others, it actually has a detrimental effect. In other cases, the positioning of different affinity tags, either on the N-terminus or on the C-terminus of the protein, can affect the expression levels and activity profoundly. And you can never predict what's going to work, whether it's going to be an N-terminus, a C-terminus, an extended tag, a small tag, different expression systems. Some proteins work beautifully well in insect cells. Most of the GPCRs do. Others don't. Different cell lines proteins behave differently in different cell lines and you can never predict what's going to work. So one of the kind of key messages I hope people come away with is you've got to be pragmatic and you need a a cohort of different tools and protocols and strategies in place, Um, a toolbox basically. You need to set up a toolbox but everyone's going to be different and you've just got to be aware that or develop a skill to recognize when, when you need particular tools. So that, that's the key message is each, every protein is different. Be pragmatic and also really try and leverage some of the great technologies being developed out there too. I mean, there's some wonderful work being done around the SEB protein complexes and membrane proteins. Um, it's an um, exciting area. I think another exciting area, which, and I'll touch on this in the presentation, is the cell engineering. Technology like CRISPR, which is so prevalent in many, many different fields and, and space, Technologies like that can really be used to develop new cell lines. So there's a number of different groups actively working on this around the world and trying to manipulate cell lines to become better biofactors for making not just tool proteins, uh, but also for uh, therapeutics or biologicals. And we're really on the cusp, I think, now in protein sciences and cell engineering is to really go in and manipulate cell lines to become better protein factories not just using CRISPR, but also in synthetic, synthetic genomes and, and manufacturing whole new synthetic genomes and taking all the bad pieces out and adding lots of goodies into the cells. We're really on the cusp of some incredible breakthroughs, I think. They're not there yet, but I think there's going to be some really exciting developments in the next two or three years in this space. So it'll be interesting looking back in terms of how difficult it was to make proteins, I think, in a few years' time. We're going to have tools and strategies which are going to be able to 
enable us to make much more biologically relevant, disease-relevant proteins. And I think that's going to be really exciting because that's one of the big issues we've had, I think, in the past is when we're making recombinant proteins in an in vitro setting, either in insect cells or in E. coli, the question always which gets levied at you is, is it, that's great, you've made this protein, but you made it in E. coli, it's a truncation. Is it the disease-relevant protein? And we've never known that. What you can potentially begin to look at developing is making these proteins in a disease-relevant cell line, which is going to be quite interesting. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ian. We're looking forward to hearing more insights from you later at the conference. That was Dr. Ian Hunt of Novartis. He'll be speaking during the Applying Expression Platforms Conference at Pep Talk in San Diego, taking place January 18th through the 22nd. To learn more from Dr. Hunt, visit www.chi-peptalk.com for registration info and enter the key code podcast. This is Ann Wynn. Thanks for listening.